0: All right, let's look in the book of Romans tonight. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. I'm going to endeavor to start looking at Romans on either Sunday nights or Wednesday nights. I don't like to get into too much of a routine because those things always tend to uh, turn into a rut if you're not careful. But I think we're going to try and start going through the book of Romans. But Romans is such a big book, it's such a large book that I'm just going to write now, I'm going to endeavor to get through chapter one. Just take a small take a small bite out of a big elephant. And that's not to say anything negative about the book of Romans. I really do enjoy the book of Romans. But anyway, so we'll start that this evening. We got Bible school going on and I really, this is kind of going to be wrapped up in it. So if you're doing that and you want credit, these will go towards the credit of those classes. And so that, that might even have a test on it. You never know. That might be a little bit threatening to some folks. I don't know, but no threat intended. All right, Romans chapter 1. Let's read a little bit, and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Romans chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, And declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we won't get that far tonight, but I did want to read that because that is uh, one sentence all the way down from verse 1 all the way to verse 7. And so we don't want to stop in the middle of a complete thought. That's what a period is supposed to mark, is the end of a complete thought. But we probably won't even get out of verse 1. I, well, I know we won't because that's all I'm prepared to preach on is verse 1. And you better be thankful. Because <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot in Romans chapter 1. But that's all one sentence. So, all right, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us tonight. Lord, we do thank you for allowing us, God, to be here. Lord, thank you for allowing me to be home. God, I thank you for this place. I thank you for this church. God, thank you for these people to preach to. And, Lord, thank you for a Bible. God, thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit, God, to lead us and guide us. Excuse me, Lord, and I pray, God, that you'd help us tonight. God, I pray that you'd meet with us, God, and deal with our hearts. I pray that you'd help me to be clear and Lord, what I'm trying to get across. And God, I pray that you'd take your word and deal with your people's hearts as you see fit. And God, Lord, do a work that only you can do, and we'll thank you for it. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we love you. God, thank you, Lord, for what you did for us at Calvary. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Romans chapter 1. Let's go back up to verse 1. That's what we're going to hone on here. Hone in on here this evening. The Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, SEPARATED UNTO THE GOSPEL OF GOD. NOW, THERE'S THREE THINGS RIGHT THERE IN THAT VERSE. PAUL IS TALKING, OBVIOUSLY. THAT'S THE FIRST WORD IN THE ENTIRE BOOK. AND SO THE TITLE OF THE BOOK, AS IS OFTEN PRINTED BY BIBLE PUBLISHERS, IT SAYS THE EPISTLE OF PAUL THE APOSTLE TO THE ROMANS. AND SO IT OPENS UP THE FIRST WORD, PAUL. PAUL WROTE THE BOOK. And so when Paul opens up the book, it's a little bit different than the way that we introduce ourselves or the way that we write letters today. We usually write a letter and then we sign it, you know, sincerely whoever. In my case, I would say sincerely not whoever, but sincerely Nathan Irie. That's the way that we sign it today. But in these days, they did it the more logical way. They would just let you know who it was writing you the letter. That way you didn't have to read 16 chapters And get to the end and, oh, this was from Paul. Maybe I actually ought to pay attention to what he had to say. That way, if anybody didn't like Paul, they knew to just immediately ignore it starting out altogether. Uh, I don't recommend that you did that. I don't recommend that you do that today. Uh, But. Paul, a servant. So Paul identifies himself in two different ways, but he, he makes a statement of about three different things here. And so let me just list them for you. It's a real simple outline here. He says, Paul, a servant, number one, a servant of Jesus Christ, number two, called to be an apostle, and number three, separated unto the gospel of God. Now, one of those, the, the second one, he says, called to be an apostle. Now, that's not something that all men can be. That is not something that everybody can be. If you hold your place, we're going to look at a lot of scripture tonight. So I hope you brought your text messaging thumbs, <laughs> because I know nobody has Bible turning, Bible page turning thumbs anymore. It's text messaging thumbs. So hold your place here in Romans one and look with me in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians chapter four. Not everybody can be an apostle. Uh, there there are only some folks that can be a, an apostle. Ephesians chapter 4 and look in verse 11. And we're going to kind of uh, just glaze over the surface of this, but I do want to show you these verses. I want these things to be very clear in your mind. The more you know about what the Bible says, the better established you'll be as a Christian. And it'll be easier for, it'll be, let me, not easier, it'll be harder for you to be swept off your feet by folks that are coming through and say, well, the Bible says this and this, when it really doesn't say that at all. Uh, One of the dangerous things about the Bible, I bet you've never heard a preacher say that, uh, the Bible is dangerous. But it really is. That book that sits in your lap is a big bear trap, and it'll get you. It'll get you. If you don't approach it the right way, if you don't approach it with fear and trembling, you say, a book? A book. If you don't approach a book with fear and trembling, that book will just reach out there and just bite a hold of your leg and chew it off like a pit bull. And the, you can make the Bible say anything that you want it to say, really. All you got to do is just take things like the news media does today, just take things out of context. Yeah, yeah. And every single one of you have had experience with that. If you haven't ever had it happen to you, which I bet most of you have, you've seen it done on a regular basis. The news media makes their living at taking things out of context. And it don't matter if they're Republicans, Democrats. It doesn't matter if they're medical doctors or lawyers. It doesn't matter who you are. The media makes their living by pulling things out of context. And that's why you should believe very little, if any, of what the media says. But anyways, he says here in Ephesians 4, verse 11 is where we're going. Ephesians 4, verse 11. He says, and he gave some, the first thing on the list is apostles. He gave some apostles, not everybody, some. And some prophets, not everybody, some and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. So not everybody, it's not a one-size-fits-all. Now salvation's a one-size-fits-all, right? Yeah. I, I hope uh, this is a Wednesday night crowd. I trust that everybody has at least made a profession of faith. And if you haven't, you need to get that thing right. You need to know that you have eternal life or you're going to die and bust hell wide open. And that, that, that's going to be worse than you can ever imagine. But here on a Wednesday night, we're trying to talk to the folks that have made a profession of faith and salvation is a one-size-fits-all, but as far as people's place in the body of Christ, that is not a one-size-fits-all. Look with me over in the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and while you're going there, I'm going to do something about the temperature up here, much to some of y'all's dismay. So, Brother Nathan, what are you going to do with the temperature? I ain't telling you. It's a secret. All I know is that I feel like I'm about to die. You'd be surprised what two degrees will do to you when you got used to a certain temperature and some sneaky devil in the congregation got up here and messed with it. I know it was. And so I'm going to pray that God will expose you Break your finger. No, I'm not going to pray that. <laughs> I'm not going to pray that. 1 Corinthians 12. All right, so God gave some apostles. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and look with me in verse 27. The Bible says, now ye are the body of Christ. Ye, that's a plural term. that People have problems with these and thou's. Let me just clear it up for you right now. I'm going to make you a lot smarter than you were before you came, okay? Thee, thou, that's singular. Thee. That's, that's what we would say today as you. But when the Bible speaks, when folks spoke in 1611, they were a lot smarter than folks in 2023. I know that none of the colleges teach it. Oh, them dumb, antiquated people back in the 1600s. How come you don't say that about Shakespeare? Yeah. It was written the same, roughly around the same time, the same sort of English. The Elizabethan English is what they call it, the Bible. Dumb thumps, but oh, Shakespeare... See, you got a problem there. Something ain't right. The and thou, that's singular. You, ye, that's plural. See, you're a lot smarter already. I can see your head getting real big. Now, ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. So, you're all the body. But each one of you are members in particular. This same chapter says, you know, the whole body's not a nose. That would be really weird if you was walking down the street and all of a sudden you saw this big nose coming towards you. (laughs) Watch out, it might sneeze. You'd be in a mess, wouldn't you? (laughs) Only about three of you got that joke. (laughs) But it's really not a joke. It'd be really strange if you walked up on a mother holding a baby and all of a sudden she pulled the, the, the covers back and it was this big ear laying in there. You'd say that's a deformity, and you'd be right. Well, see, the body has several different members. Everybody doesn't serve the same place. Well, look here in verse 28. This is really what I'm trying to show you. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Now look at verse 29. Are all apostles? Well, there's an implied answer there. And the answer to that is no. Everybody in the body of Christ is not an apostle. And so we could spend a lot of time on this, which I don't want to do tonight, but I'll just say this. What that means is that everybody is not going to have the apostolic signs, healing. uh, I was going to say walking on the water. Next time somebody tells you that they're an apostle, just say, all right, drink this poison, and let's see if you make it. What do you mean by that? Well, Mark chapter 16, one of the signs that are going to follow the apostles is that they'll be able to drink deadly poison and no harm will come from. They'll they'll be able to pick up deadly serpents and no harm done. That's why some of these churches in the past have done these snake handling services. They pull out these rattlesnakes and they're idiots. They're stupid. Yeah. That's foolish. You say what is that? That that is that is I would I would say a misunderstanding. And some folks have been taught that way. I don't want to be, you know, and just throw a blanket statement and say everybody's stupid that does that. A lot of folks are misled that way. But it don't take uh, two brain but two brain cells working together that says there's something wrong with this picture. There's a rattlesnake in church, this guy's handling it and claiming that he's some super duper spiritual individual. That don't seem right to me. That's why God made 45s. Yeah. Amen. That's a fact. But see, all of that being said, all of that being said in Mark 16 when he says you're going to be able to take up serpents and they'll not harm you, you remember if you've been reading your Bible in Acts, I believe it's 27, might be, I think it's actually Acts 28, uh, Paul gets stranded on the Isle of Miletus. And when he gets stranded on the Isle of Miletus, he's gathering sticks and throws it on a fire and a serpent jumps up and bites him on the hand. And all these folks, you know, well, these, this guy's backslidden because God let their ship get washed up on the shore. They suffered shipwreck. And then all of a sudden, when this serpent comes out and bites them, oh, yeah, for sure, this guy has, he's a murderer or something, and vengeance hasn't suffered him to live. And then all of a sudden, 10 minutes later, when he ain't died, oh, he must be a god. Well, see, that's an, that's an apostolic sign. So the next time somebody says you, tells you, I'm apostle so-and-so, just say, give me a second, let me find a pygmy rattlesnake, and we'll see if you're really an apostle. Yeah. And that really is true. I'm not making all that up, but I'm not trying to talk to you about apostles tonight. I'm just trying to show you that according to Romans chapter 1, Paul says, I'm called to be apostle. Not everybody can be that way. Acts chapter 1. Go to Acts chapter 1. Let's take a look. Acts chapter 1, look in verse 15. I'm going to read a little bit here. Acts chapter, 15, Acts chapter 1, verse 15. Now, at the end of the Gospels, and not every Gospel lays this out, but one in particular, and it escapes me right now, you remember that, uh, well, in the book of Matthew, uh, Judas betrays the Lord, and then he comes back later at bringing the silver that he got from betraying the Lord. Excuse me. And he says, excuse me, He says, I've done distracted myself. Judas says, hey, I betrayed innocent blood. And so he tries to give this money back. And they say, what? The Pharisees look at him and say, what's that to us? And they, so he throws the money down and the Bible says he goes out and he hangs himself. Well, in Acts chapter 1, verse 15, the Bible says, And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples, this is after the Lord's ascended into heaven, and said the number of names together were about 120. It wasn't just, by the way, it wasn't just the 11 apostles up in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. There's a lot of people up there. Must have been a big room. Or, or either it was really hot up there. All them bodies up there, all those BTUs being admitted, that was really hot up there. You say, Brother Nathan, why do you say that? Because that's all that some of y'all would be worried about anyway. The day of Pentecost is coming. The Holy Ghost is about to descend and people sitting in there with fans. It's too hot in here. When, when's the Holy Ghost going to let us out? It's about how Baptists are, ain't it? Amen. Verse 16. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was God to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch that field, as that field is called in their proper tongue, a seldomah, that is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. Wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, Beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. You say, what are they trying to do? They're trying to fill in the spot that Judas left. Judas, listen, I know this is a really wild thing. Judas was lost. And he was an apostle. Brother Nathan, I didn't know that that was possible. I mean, just read the Scripture. I mean, I can't make this stuff up if I tried. Judas, Judas was not a good man, and yet he had all the apostolic signs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, I'm Apostle so-and-so. Are you a Judas kind of apostle? <laughs> oh, Judas wasn't really an apostle. He, he had the apostolic signs when they was casting out devils. Judas was standing right with them, casting out devils too. It's kind of interesting because the Antichrist, the the man of sin, you might call him the Antichrist. I really don't like using that term because Antichrist is really a, a, a spirit according to the book of 1 John. But when the man of sin shows up who's commonly called the Antichrist, he shows up working apostolic signs, calling fire from heaven like Elijah. I mean, who wouldn't believe him? Man, in a day and age when people are so sensational... Oh, I just, I felt it. I know I put my hand on the TV and I felt something. (laughs) Yeah, that's called static electricity. But I felt it. Go up and down my, oh, I just know that it was real. When a day where people would rather believe what they feel at the expense of what God's God's book says, who's not going to fall for that stuff when the man of sin shows up? You better get saved. Because if you ain't saved, you're going through that. Yes, sir. You better get saved. If you're saved, you don't have to worry about that. Uh, Anyways, so what they're trying to do is they're trying to fill the spot that Judas left. Judas left a hole. He was an apostle. So, well, now we've got to figure out who we're going to put in his place. Look down here in verse... Uh, 23. And they appointed two Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship. So they're trying to put somebody back in that place. Everybody can't go there. Well, what's the stipulations, Brother Nathan? Well, verse. 21. Wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto the same day that he was taken up with us, must one be ordained to be witness with us of his resurrection. If you wanted to be an apostle, the only way that you qualified is you had to be with Jesus Christ from the day of John the Baptist when John the Baptist baptized Christ and said, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. That time to the time that he was crucified, buried, resurrected, and ascended up into heaven, you had to be with him through it all. Yeah. Yeah. Now this just begs the question. This is not in my notes. I've really spent too much time here, and so we've got to get on with things. But uh, how would you like to have missed that church service right there in Acts chapter one? <laughs> uh, okay, I thought it was funny, but anyways, uh, I think that's I think that's funny, man. Uh, Hey, we're going to go to church in the upper room, fellas. We're going to get together like Jesus told us to. Oh, I can't be there. i got to go to work. You mean, Peter, you mean fishing's more important than this? I mean, you're going to see who gets to replace Judas. I don't know. Uh, what if you were Matthias and you decided to lay out that night or that day? Hey, Matthias, it's time to go to the upper room like the Lord told us before he ascended up to heaven. Was faithful. Listen, he was faithful from the time that Jesus Christ got baptized all the way down to when Christ ascended up into heaven. Faithful the whole time. Listen, do you realize only 12 people got credit for being faithful? The 12 disciples. Judas got credit and Matthias did not. He stayed faithful the same. He was right there with him the whole time. And then Peter comes to Matthias and says, Hey, we're going to the upper room. You coming? No, I don't think so today. And he missed out on being the apostle. You don't know what you're going to miss when you miss assembling with God's people. That's where the Lord is. That's that's where he is. You just never know. All right, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. So, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. So, you got a servant, an apostle, and Paul says he's separated unto the gospel of God. So, not everybody can be an apostle. Paul is, but not everybody can be an apostle. But he says here in the beginning of the verse, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, you can be that. Everybody can be a servant. No special skills required. There are some things that are required, but there's not, you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be with the Lord when he gets baptized all the way to the time that he ascends up into heaven. That's something that everybody can do. Listen, there's not one of you today, right now, sitting in this building, myself included. We don't qualify to be apostles, but every single one of us can be a servant, all of us. All of us can be a servant. Now, here's the thing that you should notice about what the verse says. It says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Servant first, apostle second. Servant first, apostle second. It rings true for every single one of you. Whatever you're going to be in Christianity, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to be an evangelist or I'm going to be, you know, we've got some deacons in here. We've got a treasurer in here. We've got, you know, some fellows that take up the offering. If I got real fancy, I could say ushers. We've got ushers in the church. But, you know, before you're any of that, you're a servant. Yeah. Yeah. Nathan Irie, pastor of People's Baptist Church. You know what he is before he's a pastor? He's a servant. A servant of Jesus Christ. That's what he said right there in verse 1. Brother Curtis is not with us tonight. I hope everything's all right. Uh, But Curtis Stivender, a servant. Chris Brooks, a servant. Brother Tommy, he's a song leader. What he is first is he's a servant. You fellas take up the offering, you're a servant. You ladies that bake cookies and bring boiled cabbage and chicken and dumplings to funeral whatever, Funeral dinners, you're a servant. You're a servant first. Everybody can be that. You youngins that ain't got enough sense to come in out of the rain, pass notes during church. You can be a servant though. You can, uh, God will let hardheads serve him. But you can be a servant. You can be a servant. You can do something for the Lord. Whatever, whatever place the Lord has for you in the body, We just got done looking at verses in 1 Corinthians 12 where are all apostles, are all prophets, are all this, are all that? Well, the obvious answer is no. But all of those people that do anything in particular in the body, they're all servants. They're all servants. And it's, listen, whatever you do, it's never going to be disconnected. It's never, you're never going to find out where your little niche is in the body of Christ without first becoming a servant. Do you know what servants do? They serve. They serve. I just really want to know where God has for me to be in the body of Christ. We're not just talking about in the local church, although that is a big part of it, but we're talking about among all people that are saved. Uh, what, What does God want me to do with my life? Well, I can tell you a collection of things that God wants you to do with your life. God wants you to be thankful. He says that's the will of God. God wants you to abstain from fornication. He says right there in 1st Thessalonians the first I told you is 1st Thessalonians 5, 1st Thessalonians 4. Abstain from fornication because this is the will of God. Yeah. See there's things like that lined out throughout the scripture. I just really wonder what God wants me to do. And there's a lot of emphasis. There's a lot of emphasis in church right now on what does God want me to do. I want to know what God wants me to do that nobody else can do. Well, I can tell you this. You're never going to find what God wants you to do that nobody else can do, which, by the way, that doesn't exist. That job position does not exist. You know who will get upset about stuff like statements about like that? The folks that get upset about that is folks that are narcissists. Yeah. 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 Right. It's about me, yeah. right. which speaks to the fact that you're not a servant. Yeah. Right. That's true. Yeah. It's, it's true. I want to know what God has for me. Well, why don't you figure out what God has for everybody first? Yeah. Brother Chris, I don't mean to call you out. Are you the only saved individual in here this evening? Heidi, are you the only saved? What about you? Uh, Brother Cruz, what about you? Are you the only saved individual in here? They say, not at all. See, there's lots of people that are in here that are saved. And, you know, God doesn't just give Brother Chris one little job to do, and that's the only thing that he has to worry about. And Miss Heidi, one thing to do, and that's the only thing that she has to worry about. And Brother Joe, one little thing, and that's all he has to worry about. There is something that all of us have to worry about. Now, I'm a little bit of ahead of myself. We'll get to it here in just a second. But instead of worrying about, I wonder what God's got for me. Because you want the limelight. and That's usually what it equates to. Oh, Brother Nathan, you're slighting people. I'm not slighting people. Listen, I'm 35 years old. And I was going to church nine years before I was, or nine years, nine months. That'd be a long pregnancy. Nine months before I was ever born, I I have had some experience with church folks, saved and lost. (laughs) Everybody in church is not saved. I got some questions about folks that go to Peoples. Oh, Brother Nathan, you just threw a wet blanket over the whole service, but it's not my fault, that's yours, because you ain't living right. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Uh, It's it's up to you. Uh, But see, hey, listen, Uh, uh, folks, really what it usually boils down to is I just want to be in this prominent place. And it's not even so much prominent. It's that I want to be recognized. I want somebody to look at what I'm doing and say, good job. That is not what masters do to servants. A little bit ahead of myself. Let me go through the scripture. Let's look in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. I just added 10 minutes to the service. I would apologize, but I'm not sorry, and I don't want to lie in church. I'll wait until I go home to lie. <laughs> Acts chapter 9. <laughs> not to my wife, though. <laughs> uh, anyways, I think I heard her almost choke over there. Yeah. Acts chapter 9, and look in verse 20. Now, you know what Acts chapter 9 is, don't you? Acts chapter 9 is the conversion of who you know as Paul. His name before he got saved was Saul, and Saul was not a nice guy. Everybody's worried about being nice. Saul was not one of those, at least if you were a Christian. Now, if you were a Pharisee, that's a different story. He was the best friend that you had. But if you even mentioned the name of Jesus Christ, Saul's hair on the back of his neck started to stand up, and if you expressed any favor towards Jesus Christ, Saul was ready to kill you. The Bible said his own profession. Hey, I compelled those Christians to blaspheme, to deny Christ. That's what he did. Uh, Real nice, super religious fella, isn't he? But that's what he did. And here in Acts chapter 9, God humbles him, and Saul gets saved. The apostle Paul, this is where he got his start. Now, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, excuse me, but in Acts chapter 9, he's going down the road to Damascus, and the Lord deals with him. And he says, he says, uh, he says, you need to go over here into the house of Ananias, and he said, he said, I'm going to have you, uh, I'm going to have Ananias come over here, and he's going to lay his hands on you, and you're going to be able to see again, and you need to get baptized. And so Ananias comes in, and he does all that. Well, in Acts chapter nine, look in verse eighteen, the Bible says immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Straightway. You know what straightway means. That means, like, if you have to go from here to Harvey's, that doesn't mean that you stop at Pizza Hut first, and well, I gotta go get gas, and I need to run over here to Dollar General, and then I gotta stop by the bank because I ain't got no more money. Uh, that's not straightway. Straightway is leave here, go straight to Harvey's. Do not pass go, do not collect $200, go straight to Harvey's. That's straightway. Well, when Paul got saved, the Bible says straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues. He didn't go to Bible school for three and a half years. Yep. Yeah, amen. Yes, sir. He didn't take a sabbatical. He didn't consult with everybody about what they thought. He got up immediately and started saying, hey, this person whose guts I hated, this really is who, who he said he is. He really is God manifest in the flesh straightway. Yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of wonder about maybe what I ought to be doing. I kind of wonder, you know, if maybe I should do this. Or Paul didn't sit around in his, in his office and in his study and say, I wonder if God wants me to be an evangelist or if God wants me to be a missionary or if God wants me to be a pastor or if God wants me to be an apostle or a prophet, I wonder what God really wants me to do. Paul never Paul never even asked the question. Paul just got up from where he was and spent a couple of days with the disciples and bam, starts getting into all these synagogues and stirring up trouble. Yeah. This old troublemaker, straightway. Well, Brother Nathan, I got saved. Well, praise the Lord, I'm happy for you. Now what you gonna do? Oh, don't you think I really need to learn some things? Absolutely. But didn't you learn that you were a hell-bound sinner? Didn't you learn that God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for your sins? Didn't you learn that Jesus Christ will save whosoever will come to him? So the question is, what are you going to do? Oh, I I just don't think that I could really do that. Why not? How about if I gave you a title in a church? Could you do that? Oh, yes, I could do that right away. Of course you could. But if you got to go out there to where nobody's going to pat you on the back and say good job, and people's going to make fun of you, and people's going to possibly, I've never had it happen, thank the Lord, but possibly going to spit in your face. I have had folks cuss me out. I have had folks slam the door in my face. But you couldn't do that because I mean, servants deserve to be treated better than that. Mm. That ain't that ain't very good. That ain't very good. Uh, look in verse twenty. One, but all, that was, but all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. My soul, now they're trying to kill him. But their lying, lying awake was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket." And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, this is where all the Christians are. The Christians are all in Jerusalem. Well, for the most part, they're in Jerusalem. They are starting to spread out now. But for the most part, this is where the church started. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. So on one side, he's got folks that are trying to kill him. Because now he's preaching this name that once he destroyed people for professing. And so once they start killing him, he gets on the run. And immediately he goes out and tries to tag team with the guys who he was trying to kill. And now they don't want to have nothing to do with him because, oh, this guy's lying. Yeah. Can you blame him? I mean, if somebody was trying to kill you two days ago, and now he's professing, oh, I believe just like you. Man, it's a trap. Oh, this guy, not... Well, I bet he quit, didn't he? I bet Paul stuck his thumb in his mouth and he just quit, didn't he? Nobody believes me. Look at what happens in the next verse. Verse 27. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way. And that... and that he had spoken to him and how he preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus and he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem, verse 29, and he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians but they went about to slave. More folks is trying to kill him folks trying to kill him on one hand. The believers don't believe him on the other. Here's this one guy, Barnabas grabs him and says, come on in here. I talked to the Christians for for your sake. Hey, God appeared to this fella. Um, I don't know about this. Paul gets out there and he finds these Grecians, these Greeks, and he says, you're not right about this and you're not right about, Paul's a smart guy. You're not right about this and this is why you're not right. And Jesus Christ really is who he said about and gets them so mad they're ready to kill him. Man, everybody's against Paul. Everybody hates Paul. You know what Paul's doing? He's serving. Paul didn't sit around and wait for somebody and say, hey, you you know, you really ought to get a handful of tracks and really get out there and start telling people about Jesus. There was no question in Paul's mind about what to do. Listen, some of you were on your way to hell, and I say some, all of you. You were on your way to hell you are a hell-bound, hell-deserving sinner. Ain't that right? Yeah, amen, amen. Okay. God sent his son to die for your sins and to wash your sins away free for nothing. You didn't have to do anything. You didn't have to join a church. You didn't have to tithe. You don't even have to come to church. You don't have to come to church to be born again. You should, but you, sh- you don't have to come to church in order to be born again. You got it free for nothing. And the day that you got saved, or allegedly got saved, nothing came over you that said, man, this is so wonderful. I want everybody to know about this. What did you get? What is it that got you so quiet that now you're scared to say something to the folks that, were, that are just as bad as you were before you got saved. Yeah, that's good. Yep. I don't think you got salvation. I, I don't know. I'm posing the question to you for some introspective questions. Something's not right about those things. Something's not right about those things. Look over in, in Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Paul's just serving. Acts chapter 12. Now, the narration between Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10, Peter, the narration changes to talking about Peter. It kind of drops Paul into the background, and Acts, the Holy Spirit picks up talking about Peter, and he discusses this matter of dealing with uh, Cornelius, And then in Acts chapter 11, Paul is now dealing with the church, the folks down at Jerusalem, about why he preached to Cornelius because Cornelius was a Gentile, so forth and so on. Well, I wonder what Paul's doing in the meantime. Paul's probably sitting back with his feet propped up high and just taking it easy. Well, not according to Acts chapter 12. Look in verse 24. But the word of God grew and multiplied, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem When they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. You know what's going on during the time that God is not talking about Paul anymore? The limelight is not on Paul anymore from Acts chapter 10 to Acts up until Acts chapter 12, verse 25. You know what Paul's doing during that time where God is, it's almost like God's not even paying attention to Paul? Paul's doing what he did the day that he got saved, he's serving. He's busy, he's working, he's laboring in the field for his Lord. Let me ask you something. Are you only able to be motivated when somebody's got their eyes on you? You fellas that run businesses, don't you hate employees like that? There's the boss man. You, you, you employees that don't run your own business, don't you hate other employees like that? Yeah, they do. Right. Amen. You know why you hate employees like that? I'm looking at all the ladies and young folks. Where's all the men? <laughs> I find, found them here just say, all you fellas that don't, all the men is looking for the men. Uh, you know why you hate employees like that? Because you have to pick up the slack. So when Christians don't serve in a local New Testament church and other Christians are mad at them because they're not doing anything, oh, you shouldn't be so judgmental. Well, why should we not? We have to pick up your slack, stupid. We have to sing twice as loud because you're not here. Hmm? Our voice gets shot after a while. We really want to have a slamming church service. Okay, I want to have a slamming church service. I want, I want it to be enjoyable. I want, it, I want to have a good time. I know I'm going to stick in the mud, but I love this. This is, this is what I live for. I mean, that's what I do for a living. So I think I can safely say this is what I live for. I love this. I want things, I want people to walk away from this place saying, man, I can't wait until Sunday. And frankly, when you're not here, all that does is makes people discouraged. That's all it does. Well, I'm just not that important. You're stupid. You're stupid because you're a liar. I I know you're a liar because the moment I get up here and tell you you're not that important, you turn red in the face. Who's this guy I think he is talking to me this way? You said you're not that important. That's why you're not here. Yeah. 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 Hey man, I'm just trying to think about things that you don't think about. Listen, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. You just don't, you're not mindful of it. You haven't stopped and said, hmm, you know. I'm not that important, but when the preacher says I'm not important, I get mad. Something's not right in here. Yeah. That's true. It's true. Serve. Servants serve. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Uh, Acts chapter 13, right there. Acts chapter 13. Now, what there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger. We're going to start calling little Simeon Niger. <laughs> Old Niger. Uh, all right. Yeah, he didn't care much for that. And Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, "Separate." The Holy Ghost said, "Separate me, Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them." There's a calling. Yeah. There's a calling. That's what everybody's looking for. I wonder what I'm called to do. Well, you're never going to find out. Why, why am I not ever going to find out? Because you you're not doing anything right now. Yeah. Right. Brother Tommy, can I pick on you for just a second? If you saw Dylan every time you walked by him, if you saw Dylan leaning up against a bush or a building with a weed eater in his hand and just kind of standing around and staring, would you promote him? If you said yes, I was about to be really mad. <laughs> You never know what people are going to say this day and age. Of course, I'd I'd promote him. Only if you're stupid. But somehow, Christians are supposed to be allowed to sit down and not do anything. And the Holy Ghost is looking around and saying, who can I send to this place to do this job? There's a guy who's not doing anything and never has since the day that they got saved. I think I'll take them. No businessman would operate his business that way, but somehow that's the way that the church is supposed to be run. Doesn't that sound stupid? Okay, so you know what the right thing to do is? Get busy. I really am trying to figure out what God wants me to do tomorrow. Well, do you know what God wants you to do today? Why not do that? thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Right? Okay. Well, walk in the light that you have. Oh, you know, I'm just really worried about what God might want me to do next year. You ain't even got this year fixed. You haven't even set any goals. You haven't even set any goals for yourself this year spiritually. I think I'm going to memorize Psalm 119. I didn't think so. I don't know. I don't know what 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 might be your goals, but I know this. If you don't ever do anything, my soul, folks, why would you sit around and say, well, I just don't know. I just I just feel so aimless in my Christianity. I just don't feel like God's really talking to me. Well so glad you brought that up. We'll get to that here in just a second. Proverbs chapter 17, I'm not going to turn there. Let me just say this, Proverbs 17, 24, the last part of the verse, it says, The eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. You know where a fool constantly looks? He's always looking way out there. You fellas that are sitting in here, I don't identify with being a woman for obvious reasons. But I know what it's like to be a man. You know, the, you know how to get dissatisfied with your wife? Look at the next lady that's walking down the street and say, Oh, she's better looking than my wife. Yeah. Ain't that right? You're looking out there. Yeah. Well, you know, that gal, probably that lady that you're looking at who you think looks better than your wife, she's probably not even real. Yeah. Yeah. She's probably been surgically altered so many times it ain't even funny. That's a fact. And she probably can't cook. God knows she probably can't keep a clean house. Yeah. Oh, I was okay until I started talking about this. Huh? Yeah. You can't eat looks. Right. That's right. You can't eat plastic surgery. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a fact. It, it's a fact. Plastic surgery don't keep clothes picked up off the floor. And my wife is so much more able to do so many more things than that. But that's just, that, that's a little illustration. The eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth, always looking out there. Well, this is better and this is better. The grass is always greener on the other side. You've heard that saying before. Oh, I just wonder what God's got for me tomorrow. What does he have for you today? why don't you do that? Why don't you worry about that? Why should I worry about that? Ain't you a servant? No, I really don't see myself that way. Okay, then I'm going to tell you this. You're not a Christian. Saved, maybe, and that's doubtful. That's doubtful. If you're not a servant, it's doubtful you're even born again. Oh, Brother Nathan, you can't say that. Well, I can't look into your heart, but all I can see is what's on the outside. If you're not a servant, man, I have nothing else to judge. We'll get to that here in just a second. We might actually get to it right now. Let's look over in Exodus chapter 21. Exodus 21. You turn fast, I'll preach fast, all right? Exodus 21. Worrying about tomorrow, worrying about tomorrow, worrying about tomorrow. I told you Exodus 21, but I want you to hold your place there in Exodus 21. Let's turn over very quickly to Matthew 13. Matthew 13, let me look at two passages in between this. Matthew 13, Matthew chapter 13. Now here in Matthew chapter 13, the Lord is telling a parable, and he's telling a parable about the sower and the seed. And the sower goes forth to sow. The seed's the word of God. The sower is the Lord. Uh, I'm giving you that. The Lord later gives an explanation. And the sower, when he sows, he sows the word of God, and he sows it in four different places. One place he sows, he sows in a place where the fowls of the air come by and they pick up the seed. And that seed doesn't bring forth any fruit. One place he sows, he sows it by the wayside, and people trample it underfoot. Another place he sows, he sows it among thorns and thistles and those things grow up and they choke out the word and it brings forth no fruit. But the last place where he sows it, he sows it on good ground. Let me, let me see if I got in the right place here. Uh, let's see. Verse Seven And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up. This is Matthew 13, verse 7. The thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground. It fell into good ground. And what did it do? It brought forth fruit. Is it good ground? Well, I don't know. Did it bring forth fruit? If it didn't bring forth fruit, it ain't good ground. Oh, you can't say that about people. That's what he said. The Lord is, he's telling the parable. He later explains it. Now, look, you say, but Brother Nathan, everybody's not the same. Well, he tells you that right there in the verse. Other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. You know what's not in that verse? Some zerofold. If the word of God gets sowed into good ground, it brings forth fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, you can't convince me of this Christianity that people are getting a hold of this day and age to where they get saved, quote, unquote, and then they never come back to church. Yeah. <clears throat> never want to pass out a track, never want to open their mouth about Jesus Christ never have a desire to know anything about the Bible other than what they know right now. Yeah. Brother Nathan, are you saying people like that aren't saved? I'm saying that I can't tell that folks like that are saved. Yeah. If they're saved, they're saved in disguised. Because when the Word of God hits good ground, it brings forth fruit. Ho! Oh, oh, legalist! Legalist! Legalist. Okay, Jesus Christ is the legalist. Yeah. Right. Well, I will show you my faith without my works. James turned that around and he said, Show me your faith by your works. Yeah. Come on, put up or shut up. Yeah. You say you're saved. What's the deal, man? It's amazing. It's amazing. Folks come and they make a profession or folks come and, you know, I'm... This, I'm that, and I I said it a minute ago. You don't have to go to church in order to be saved. We all understand that, right? We're 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 born again. We know that salvation comes by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, what he did for us at Calvary. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, so forth and so on. We understand those things, I hope. But all you're being asked to do is show up to a place where you didn't come to before you got saved. That's all you're being asked to do is just show up. And the preacher's the bad guy for saying, You're backslid if you're not here. Okay, let's push it a little bit further. You're lost. Yeah. That's right. yep. Why? Because when the seed gets sown in good ground, it brings forth fruit. It does something. There's a change that goes on in people's hearts. And to come among God's people and come to where the Bible is the focus of a place, it's just not fun down there at the church. Who told you it had to be fun down there? Whether it's this church or any other church, who told you it had to be fun? You didn't get that out of a King James Bible. You got that from some demon-possessed youth pastor. Okay, Colossians. You didn't like that. Let's go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1 and look in verse 3. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. Colossians chapter 1, look in verse 3. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven whereof ye heard before in the word of truth of the gospel which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit that's what the gospel does. It brings forth fruit. Now look at what he says and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. Paul said, The day that You trusted Christ as your Savior. The day that the gospel came to you and you believed it, the day that you knew the grace of God in truth, what so many Christians are using as a license to do whatever they want, he said, when you found the grace of God as it is in truth, he said, it started producing fruit since day one. The very first day. We didn't have to wait for two weeks to make sure that you got acclimatized to this Christianity thing. You didn't have to just ooze your way into it. It started doing something right at day one. But if a preacher says you ought to do this and you ought to do that all, oh, preacher, your expectations are too high. No, your expectations are too low. And you need to do something about that. All right, Exodus Twenty one, Exodus 21. Look in verse 1. Exodus 21 verse 1. Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. If thou buy an Hebrew servant. Anybody in here thinking about buying a Hebrew servant? This passage is for you. I guess me and you, the only folks that got that joke, Brother Michael. If thou buy an Hebrew servant six years, he shall serve, and in the seventh, he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master have given him a wife, and she have borne him, born him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. Can you see this going on in the United States? Man, you want to talk about the NAACP being after this guy. You say, who? God. Some of y'all are so eat up with the news media, you can't even laugh about that. Do you feel that? It's so funny to me. Some, Some folks is doing all they can to stay awake. It'll be all right. This sermon is like the song that never ends. And if thy servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Look here, verse 6, then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door, unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. So I've used this passage before, and it's a great truth. I've used this passage before to say the mark of a servant is his ear. What you mark on a servant is you mark his ear. Uh, Boy, I know that this is going to be, uh, I don't even like to use this word sexist, uh, but ladies in this culture culture are typically the, the people that have gotten their ears pierced. Yep. And it, it's a sign of subjection. It's true. Uh, you bore somebody's ear through with an awl in Exodus 21, it's a sign of somebody owns you Oh, my soul. I just messed it all up. Uh, I don't know. Listen, if you're a lady, I don't know why you'd be all upset about that. If you're a lady, if you're married, I don't know why you'd be upset about that. So, anyways, that's between you and the Lord. But it's a sign of subjection. Now you got these fellas walking around. And got earrings in both sides. I, I've been told that in one side, if you wear that, you know, you're queer, at least that was the what was the going statement when I was younger. And now guys walk around like that ain't nothing. I got a, a cousin, a second cousin, who has an earring, and my daughter, Lois, was real little at the time, and we went up to a family reunion. A Good guy, nice guy, don't have nothing against him, except the fact that he wears earrings. It's a little bit weird for a man to do so. And Lois was sitting in his lap. She was real little. Still had a passion in her mouth. What's that? Oh, it's an earring. Ear- earrings are for girls. Yeah, At least somebody knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a sign of subjection. You mark their ear. You mark their ear. Uh, well, the relationship of a servant to his master is one of hearing. Well, you know, brother Nathan, I just don't. God doesn't ever speak to me. Well, could that be because you don't serve? Good, yeah. You know, God doesn't talk to folks that don't do nothing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Brother Nathan, don't you think we ought to take a vote about every take a vote for everything that we do in this church? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Oh, why? Why shouldn't we? Because you haven't done anything for the last 15 years and God hasn't said anything to you for that duration. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's right. But you know how most churches are run? Most churches are run. What do y'all think about this? What do y'all think about this? What do y'all think about that? And they're to folks that aren't going to do anything. Everybody in favor of this say aye. Every hand in the building goes up. So they move forward with it because it 100% unanimous vote. And two weeks later, there's a collection of about 15 people in a church of about 20 that are sitting back and saying, I just don't understand why we're doing that. I just don't like the way that he did that. Don't you think that we shouldn't have done something different? You're the one that voted for it. You know what that is? That's people who don't ever do anything. Don't come to church on Wednesday night. Don't come to Sunday school. Never pass out a gospel tract. Never tell anybody, Jesus Christ died for your sins. They haven't picked up a Bible in the last six months or 60 years. They've never prayed a prayer for anything other than, oh, Lord, get me out of this problem or, Lord, I would really like to have... That's who those people are. And you want to talk about folks that will... Just destroy a church and run it through the ringer. Hey, don't you think you ought to pray for Brother Chris? Nah. Don't you think you ought to pray for Sister Lisa sitting back there? Nah. Just, just. You know why? Because it's not about me. It's not about me. And you know what the cover-up for that often is? You know what the cover-up for that often is? Well, no, it's not about me. It's about you. Well, let me ask you a question. Why can't it be about Jesus Christ? I'll tell you why folks want to make it about you. It's all about you. Oh, no, it's not about me. It's about you. Because in the back of people's mind, what they're hoping for is that you'll return the favor. I said it was about you, and I hope you realize that it's not about you either. It's about me. And you know what it really equates to? It equates to manipulation. I scratch your back. You say, Brother Nathan, you're not right about that. Don't return them the favor. See what happens. Hmm? Mm -hmm. You know why that is? People are not servants. I just don't get anything out of People's Baptist Church. What have you put in? All these people are so mean around here. You're not so friendly yourself. I really don't like this preacher's preaching. You haven't liked the preaching of the last five preachers you've sat under. I'm really scared. There's things about my own preaching that I don't like on Thursday and Monday mornings. Boy, I really shouldn't have said that. Of course, I've got over that pretty fast. I've tried to do my best. I mean, it's taken me about two years, three years, three and a half. I don't know. Hmm? Yes, sir. <clears throat> yes, sir. Now, look, I almost lied. I almost told you I'm almost done. Give me just a second. I'll do my best to <clears throat> preach until I'm done. Exodus 21, listen. Exodus 21. Listen to me. It's service, right? Yeah. What's in Exodus 20? Isn't it rules? Yeah. Ain't it rules? Yeah. Ain't it rules? Yeah. Let, me, let, me, let me tell you this. A lot of folks can't be servants. They cannot be servants. You know why they can't be servants? Because they can't even find a way to let God regulate their life. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Thou shalt, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. There's a whole lot of thou shalt nots in Exodus 20. It's regulation. Don't do this, don't do this. Make sure you don't do this. And there's a couple of, make sure you do do this. Not many, but there's a couple of them. And the very next chapter is, by the way, if you buy a Hebrew servant, this is the way that you treat him. You know who the servant is? You say, Brother Nathan, he's not named. You know who the servant is? It's Israel. You know who the master is? It's God. Yeah. Oh, I, just, I just don't know that I can really do that. I just don't know that I can shave out Yellowstone out of my TV watching routine you're probably not going to find the power to be able to tell somebody that Jesus died for their sins either. Yeah. Amen. I mean, when you're turning on stuff to where profanity's pouring into your living room and you can't find the power to pick up a Bible and read about the God that sent his son to die for your sins, something he did not have to do. Yeah. If you can't find a way to turn this off and turn that off and make sure you do this and make sure you do that, you're probably not going to be a very good servant you just you're not going to be able to do so you're not going to be able to do so look in luke chapter 17 luke 17 last one luke 17 and look in verse 7 Luke 17, verse 7. But which of you, having a servant, plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, Go and sit down to meet. Go get yourself something to eat. And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. It's in the form of a question. He said, which of you? You got a servant. He just got out of the field. Are you going to tell that guy, hey, go sit down and get yourself something to eat. I'm really t- I know you're really tired. Brother Nathan, don't you know what time it is? I know exactly what time it is. Brother Michael bought a big clock and put it right there. I know exactly what time it is. Oh, Brother Nathan, don't you know that we're really tired? do know that you're really tired. I've been there before. But which of us as servants have the right to look at the Lord and say, Lord, don't you know? Don't you know? I've been working all day. I've had a really busy day. Oh, Brother Nathan, that works good in theory. It just don't work very good in application. No, I think it works real good in application. If that was the attitude that you had, you might get the Lord to really deal with you a lot more than he does. I think Brother Clint was the one who often talks about it gets home on Wednesday night and, well, I really don't feel like going to church tonight, but I don't believe the Lord felt much like going up Calvary's Hill. Yeah. Yeah. So what that turns into for a lot of folks is it just turns into sensational stuff. Yeah, good. It just turns into something that we say to really get a tearjerker out of our eyes, but folks don't sit down and really think about that. They don't believe it. You say that at 7 o'clock after the church service starts, whoo, people start shouting. But you say it at 8.30 or 9 o'clock and people sit there and go, hmm, yeah, my TV show's on. I got stuff I got to do tomorrow, preacher. Well, I mean, it's your service towards the Lord. It really is. I know this in the book of Acts. Listen, in the book of Acts, Paul tarried and preached until midnight. The fella fell out and died. They raised him back to life, and Paul kept on preaching the rest of the night through. Yeah. You say, what's the difference? Well, I don't know. Folks in the New Testament church in the book of Acts, they didn't have, they didn't have a New Testament because it hadn't been written yet. Yeah. But they also didn't have TV, yeah. and they also didn't have air conditioning. Yeah, a lot of things they didn't have. But somehow now that we've gotten to the 21st century or whatever century this is, now we've gotten so sophisticated, the preacher got to let out at a certain time. You know what's happened? We have lost our servant mindset. The New Testament church has largely lost her servant mindset. You say, what mindset is that? Look right here. He says, verse 9, Doth he thank that servant because he commanded him that he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise, when ye have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. Haven't brought any profit to my master. We're unprofitable servants. We've done that which is our duty to do. You know what servants talk a lot about? Christians that are servant-minded, they talk a lot about duty. I didn't get anything out of the church for the last two weeks, but I'm going this week too. Why? Why? Why would you go to church when you don't get anything? Duty. Why would you read your Bible when you don't like it? Duty. And for some reason, folks think that if that takes place, the Lord's supposed to come down out of heaven and say, Good job. You want a cookie? You say, Brother Nathan, that's really really tough. Yeah, but I'm not the one that's talking. It's the Lord. Listen, if it was me talking to you as far as my attitude towards you, you'd have every right to look at me and say, well, this guy, he's an idiot. But it's not me. It's the Lord talking. And God has every right to look at you and say, this is my expectations. And then when you do it, to look at you and say, okay. No, thank you. No. I told you to do that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Amen. You know what this age is? Boy, I feel sorry for you fellas. Man, I feel sorry for you fellas in about 10 years when you start preaching on a very regular basis. Because this is an age to where Christians have to be. Come on. Come on. It's okay. It'll be all right. You can make it to church. It'll be okay. yeah. yeah. And if you don't talk to folks that way, folks are just not going to come. Yeah, amen. Or you can just preach and folks like that will usually leave, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're trying to run folks off. No, you just preach straight and folks just say, well, this is just not the kind of preaching I'm looking for. And so they'll go down the road to where somebody is going like this on them. And then they go home on Sunday night because they won't come back. And they'll go home and they'll sit there and be depressed all week. I wonder what's wrong with me. I'll tell you what's wrong with you. You're not a servant. Yeah. 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 Amen. You're sitting around waiting for people to serve you yeah. instead of you trying to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. You know what this is to people? Thank you. Oh, thank you. That's people serving them. That guy, he didn't say thank you to me. You probably didn't deserve one. I can't believe you would talk to me that way. Well, Why don't you just take that kind of attitude towards yourself? You're not your own. You're bought. You're bought. You're bought with a price. Somebody bought you. They bought you with blood. I know it's a sore subject but I never have really cared a whole lot about what's politically correct. There was a time in this country where slave was, slavery was a real thing. Yeah. And those people that were slaves really didn't have rights. Yeah. They didn't have rights. They had things they were allowed to do. I'm not saying that all of those slaves were so, had, had it so hard and all of the slaves were mistreated so bad. If you think that that's the case, you need to broaden your mind and read a little bit and quit listening to CNN. But some of them were treated bad, I don't deny that. But I can tell you this about all of them across the board, they didn't have no rights. If a slave in this country wanted to get married, he had to go to his master. Can I marry this other slave over here? George Washington had slaves, and some of his slaves wanted to marry another slave that belonged to another individual. And that black man went to George Washington and said, Hey, I want to marry this gal. Can I marry her? He had to get permission. He was legally owned by George Washington. Hmm? George Washington allowed it, by the way and then worked out a situation to where those families could stay together. I think he sold him or something so that they could be put together. A little history there for you. I wonder who I'm going to marry. I wonder who I'm going to marry. I wonder who I'm going to marry. Well, I know this. You better get to serving. And when it comes time to get married, Lord, can I marry this gal? Lord, can I marry this fella? That's what servants do because they gave up all their rights. The day that you got saved, you lost all your rights. You lost them all, all of them. I have a right to not be in church on Wednesday night, not according to God. You gave them all up. i got a right to do with my life whatever I want. Not the day that you got saved. You gave them all up. Your life belongs to somebody else. Now, somebody bought you. You're a servant. Well, I'm just going to do what I want. And you're going to be the most miserable individual anybody has ever met. Lost people have a better time living life than you will. Because not only are you going to get it from the outside, you're going to get it from the inside. Something's going to be eating your lunch the whole time. You know this ain't the right life. You know that you're not in the will of God. You know you don't have God's approval on your life. It's that preacher. It's these people. It's that people. No, it's not. It's you. You got to serve. Yes, sir. You know what the Bible says in the book of Revelation? It says, his servants shall serve him forever. Be a wonderful time. Lord, I pray God you help us tonight. Lord. Not